Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Hey, God bless everyone this morning. Come on. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this house right now. Come on, stand to your feet. Those of you at home, you could, if you're sitting at the coffee table in your living room, you could remain seated. But for the rest of you here, we're going to get into the word here in a moment. But, you know, do me a favor, ushers. Uh, for those of you at home, we got three young men that are here for the first time, and we want to make sure we get them their gifts as well. And uh, so do me a favor, ushers, can you get them their gifts and uh, grab the bags? We got some gifts for you guys. We just want to say thank you for being here. For all our other visitors and guests that have joined us as well, thank you so much for joining us. For those of you at home here for the first time or you're old, old school with us, we always say first time you come, you're a visitor. After that, you're family. So if you come back again, you're stuck with us at that point. Amen. It is so great to have you here. And today we are starting a new series called Freedom. Come on, everyone say freedom. When I, when I hear that word freedom, I just get the picture of, of uh, Mel Gibson riding with half his face blue, half his face, you know, uh, regular color, and him yelling, you know, just about freedom. That just, it just pumps me up. I want to bring out a sword. I was going to come out today and paint half my face and come out to challenge us to live a life of freedom. Come on, somebody. I need you to understand that you were created for freedom. See, I I need you to recognize today, and those of you at home, the Bible says that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That tells me that if you know the truth, the truth has the ability to bring you freedom. But that if you believe a lie, it can keep you in bondage. And the problem is, is many of us are believing the wrong source. You're getting your information from the wrong source. You're getting your information from the media, from political parties. You're getting it from uh, different ideologies. But I need you to understand that although things may change around you, that Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. That the word of God doesn't change and the truth of God doesn't change either. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, got freedom? As you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 4, as you're turning there, I'm pumped this morning. I'm excited for what God's going to do. The word freedom is a state or quality of being free, unrestricted use. For those of you that were single before you got married, you were... You didn't get a ball and chain. Instead, you got a ring. And now it's kind of changed up. You, before you go to the store, you got to, I'm going to the store. I'll be back at this time. I'm going to, you're going to the store, take the kids with you. You're, you're, you're searching for freedom. I remember, I mean, my, my kids, you know, once we had kids, our freedom was over. When, when, how many married couples here, you, you know that when you were, you were first married, it was just great, you and her, you and him, and it was just, just, that all of a sudden the kids came. I love my kids, but we couldn't break away from them worth nothing. 
The moment the door closed in our bedroom, in the bathroom, wherever, you would see these little fingers under the door. Mom, Dad. Today I want to talk to you about freedom. Freedom is also having the ability to act without restraint. We live in the land of the free, the home of the brave. But in this place that we call freedom, we have the freedom to choose. Come on, somebody. You made a choice to be here today. Come on, give yourselves a round of applause. You have the freedom to make a choice of who you're going to marry, who you're going to love, where you're going to eat, who you're going to hang out with, what you're going to wear, how you're going to comb your hair, who to love. You have the choice to make these decisions today. You have the freedom to have an opinion. Doesn't make it right. Can have an opinion, but it doesn't change the truth. Now, I want to take you to John chapter 4, verse 3. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Jesus is leaving a a region called Judah. Now, now if you know the, the, the landscape of the Holy Land, you have Judah here on the bottom where Jerusalem's at. Then you have Samaria, and then you have Galilee up on top. Jesus' ministry was located in Galilee. He did a lot of his ministry in Judea. So whenever he would go back home, he would at times have to pass through Samaria. But as a Jew, the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. It would be like the Northenios and the Sorenios. It would be like the Bloods and the Crips. There was just this animosity that was palpable between the two groups. They used to be family. But when in, back in the Old Testament, 10 of the 12 tribes went north. They broke away because of what Solomon's son did. And so they broke away and that the 10 tribes of Israel, they, they become Israel. The southern tribes become Judah. And the only tribe that stayed with them was Judah, was the, the very tribe that Jesus and David came from. Now, now follow me on this. Because of that breaking away, there was some animosity that the, that the Judea felt like, the, the, they felt like they were the real Jews. The Samaritans were intermarried. They, they weren't pure Israel. So look at verse 3. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Who is he talking to? Who is he talking about? Who left? Anyone? Jesus, you know, when you're in church, Jesus is a great answer for every question. It's like the little kid in children's church that the, the teacher asks him, what, what collects nuts, has big teeth, little ears, and a furry tail? Little kid was nervous. He says, teacher, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. Some of you get that on your way home. So as he left Judea and returned to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria. I, I want to speak to you this morning a message called, He Had To. He Had To. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated this morning. It says he had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, now most Jews, when they had to go from Judah to back to Galilee, they would cross over the Jordan River and totally miss out on going through Samaria because they had so much animosity between the two of them. But the Bible says that when Jesus made the decision to go from Judea to Galilee, it says he had to go through Samaria. Jesus made a decision where other people would have avoided a certain area. Jesus made a choice to go right through in a region that normally they would avoid. And it says this in verse 5. Eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Look at verse 6. So Jacob's well was there and Jesus was, Jesus was, He was tired. I don't, I don't, I guess the scripture's not up there. He was tired. That, that tells me something that Jesus was human. Jesus went through seasons of weariness. How many of you have ever gone through a season of being tired? How many ever got to a point where I don't think I can move on? I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I have the ability to go forward. I don't think it's in me to, to push this marriage a little farther or to, to work with my kids or to stick to this job. There comes a point in many of our lives that we just get tired. And, and we don't want to move on anymore. I don't want to try anymore. I'm tired of this. And Jesus gets to a point where he's tired from a long walk and sat beside the well at noontime. So what time was it? At noon, he was sitting there at noontime. Now, I want you to see what happens here. Jesus just finishes his assignment in Judea, decides to go back to Galilee, his hometown. And as he's going there, he makes a decision to go through Samaria. As he comes to Samaria, I want you to see what takes place here. Jesus says, I have to go through Samaria. Why? He had an appointment. Where other people would have turned aside, Jesus said, I have an appointment and I have to be at this place at this time. Why? I want you to see what takes place. He comes to a well. Now, in those days, every city was built around a well because water is life. If there's no well, there's no life, there's no agriculture, there's nothing for livestock. And so I want you to recognize when Jesus shows up at Jacob's well, there ends up being two wells there. You got Jacob's well and Jesus. You got two wells hanging next to each other. You got two wells hanging out and one of them is thirsty. Now that, that, that brings me to the question that was just on the screen. What is God thirsty for? What makes God thirsty? What, what, why, what was it that Jesus was thirsty for? He comes to this place and he sits there and verse 7 says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Now, now I love this. This is at noontime, okay? What time is it? It's noon. Now, most of the now to, to find a woman at the well is not uncommon. In those days, it was a woman's job to go to the well and draw water. It was their responsibility. But the women would come usually either early in the morning or late in the afternoon. 
They did everything they could to avoid the midday sun because it was too hot to go and drop that, that well, well bucket, bring it all the way back up, pour it into their jug, and then take that jug of clay, put it on their head, and walk it back to their family for the day or for the next day. That was a woman's job. But as Jesus is sitting there, he knows I have an appointment with a young lady, a daughter of God. I have to be here because she's going to be here this afternoon. All the other ladies had already come. Why is she showing up in the midday sun? Going to find out. Jesus sits by the well because he's thirsty. God is thirsty. Why would Jesus choose to rest here? Because he had a daughter in need. And it's not unusual to find a woman at the well because it was her responsibility, but she had three things against her. Number one, she was a woman. And in those days, that wasn't a good thing. Women were considered possessions, just a little higher than the family donkey or cow. Uh, they were just possessions. They weren't considered to be valuable. Yet Jesus added value to every woman he came in contact with. Jesus recognized the value of women. And when Jesus goes and he sits there, not only was she a woman, she was a Samaritan. But not only was she a woman and a Samaritan woman, she was also an adulterer. Now, if anyone you would think on the totem pole of life or in the, in the categories of class, you would think that Jesus would find himself having to go to Samaria to meet with maybe a queen, maybe a princess, to meet with someone of high standard or high value. But he makes a decision to go and find a woman that is broken down, that has been rejected, and he waits for this appointment with her. If God goes through that much care, that much time, to meet this woman in a different country, at a different well, all by herself in the afternoon, what will God do to you. You are loved today. See, we each have something in our lives that could hold us back. It's easy to look at this woman and say, oh, she wasn't worth the time or the effort. But how many people could look at our lives? Look at us and say, they were addicted, they're divorced, they're sick, they're broke, they're depressed, they're struggling. They're overweight, they're single, they're this, they're that. We come up with all of these different things that we could be identified with. Because many times people label us or identify us by the troubles that we've gone through. Your affliction becomes your identity. Come on, church, talk to me. But I, I want you to see what happens here. The author of life, man, that, that fires me up. The author of life, the one that breathed breath into man, the one that formed man out of the dust of the ground, the author of life asked her a question. And he says, please give me a drink. Hey, girl, I'm kind of thirsty. Hook me up. And I love what she says. What's a trip is this. You will not hear about Jesus being thirsty again until the cross. He will not say I'm thirsty for anything again until he's hanging on the cross. 
thirsty to redeem mankind, and he's thirsty once again to reach this young lady. Amen. Now, now follow me. I'm taking you somewhere, all right? Stay with me. Her response in verse 9, the woman's surprised. Give me a drink. She's looking around like, me? It's only them two at the well because it's the afternoon. And she says, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew, just in case you forgot. Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan, and I'm a woman. And she says this, why are you asking me for a drink? That's how deep this goes. The animosity was so bad, you didn't ask even for a drink. There was no social interaction. It was against the rules. It was against protocol. It was against political correctness. But Jesus doesn't care about the man-made rules that we establish when God determines, I'm going to bless, I'm going to touch, I'm going to heal, I'm going to set free. It doesn't matter your gender, your color, your race. It doesn't matter. My God loves breaking rules. Oh, come on, church. My God loves breaking the rules, even if he was the one that made them. He broke the rule by healing on the Sabbath. He broke the rule by touching someone who was leprous. He broke the rule by, by healing a Gentile woman's daughter. He loves breaking the rules. Why? Because he loves you. You're loved. Come on, church. See, it's surprising where God shows up. She's going to get water, and Jesus is there. Right in the middle of your mundane things of life, God is there. Baby, while you're doing the laundry, he's there. While you're washing the dishes, he's there. When you're washing the car, he's there. When you're at work, he's there. When you're up in a tree and you're cutting a limb, he's there. The God that while you're sitting there and you're doing a business presentation, he is there. God will show up in your mundane things of life and let you know, I haven't forgotten you. I'm still with you and I'm doing everything I can to reach you today. Oh, come on, church. Someone give God praise. I want you to see it wasn't socially acceptable. But Jesus had no problem breaking the rules. Look at verse 10. Jesus responds. This is so cool. If you only knew the gift of God has for you and who is speaking to you, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus addresses a physical need in order to open up a spiritual reality. See, the physical desire for thirst, that thirstiness she felt in the physical, was actually a thirst in the spiritual. There was something that was causing her to thirst. There was something that Jesus was speaking to the root of her issue, not the fruit. He was speaking directly to the foundation of what she was feeling. I'm going to explain what she was going through in a moment. But Jesus speaks to her need. He recognizes the opportunity. He speaks to her need and uses a physical need to introduce a spiritual reality. 
You see, many physical needs in life are actually based in lacking of spiritual awakening in certain arenas in life. Fix the spiritual and you'll fix the physical. Trying to heal your marriage, and, but you're, you're not imp- in including God. You're trying to get out of debt, but you're not including the Holy Spirit. You're trying to become a better person, but you're trying to do it through willpower, not God's power. You can't do it by yourself. You need God. We need God. You see, I want you to see what happens here. Oh, you can go ahead and clap right there. That's all right. She is thirsty for acceptance. She's thirsty for love. She's thirsty for healing. She's thirsty for value and identity. And see, that's why I always wonder, why does a woman settle for an abusive man? Why does does someone deal with someone who's cheated, hold on to someone who's cheated on them consistently? How how does someone sit there and, and find themselves still wanting to be around people who are always tearing them down? It's because there is a spiritual need and you're trying to meet it in the physical. You're trying to get love through the physical to wipe out the love that you're lacking in the spiritual. You're trying to find acceptance in the natural when you're missing it in the spiritual. And so we end up making decisions in the natural realm when the reality is the spiritual realm is where you need to get fixed. Is that too deep for a Sunday morning? For those of you at home, I'm sorry. I know you were looking for... What's a trip is that she's thirsty. And so is Jesus. They're both there for water. But neither one of them's drinking. <laughs> They're sitting there talking about water and no one's taking a drink. And she comes to this well daily to get water. See, the issue isn't the well outside of her. It's the, what's flowing inside of her. That's the problem. And many of us, it doesn't matter how much you drink. It doesn't matter how much you eat. It doesn't matter how many women or men you've been with. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many people say, man, your hair looks good. Your eyes look good. Man, you're, you're losing weight. You're looking buff. It doesn't matter those things because if you are getting those things met in the physical but not in the spiritual, you still feel empty. You're still thirsty. The author of life invites her to drink from the living water, a well that will never run dry. Look at verse 11. Still with me? Still with me? Hang with me. I'm going somewhere. Verse 11. But sir, just like God, whenever God gives us a promise or an invitation, we look at the limitations. You're the head and not the tail, a lender and not a borrower, above and not beneath. I ain't got no money. I'm broke. I'm, I'm always borrowing from people. And you look at the promises of God and we start looking for the excuses instead. Jesus invites her to drink and he says, but sir, you don't have a bucket or a rope. And this well is deep. 
Where are you going to get this living water? And besides, you think you're greater than our ancestors? She's going low. She's taking some body shots right here. You think you guys are better than us, Samaritans. You guys think you're better than us. And so now she's bringing out the bitterness that's operating inside of her when she's been offered a drink of the living well, the living water. She goes back to the bitterness that she's dealing with. You see, when you're bitter, when you're hurt, when you've been damaged, it's hard to receive from God because when you're invited to another level, you're still holding on to the hurt of the past. And he tells her, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Look what Jesus says. Anyone who drinks of this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water I give will never, someone say never, never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh bubbling springs within them, giving them eternal life. Never thirst? Listen carefully as I get ready to close. Many of us are settling for well water that pacifies, not satisfies. We are taking things that pacify us, that get us through. You know, this will get my marriage through another day. This will get my family through another moment. This will get my, this will help me get over the hump. It'll pay my bills this month. It is, you're, you're, we're just operating at a level where we're being pacified, but we're not being satisfied. You see, temporary love, temporary over eternal. We're settling for temporary at the expense of the eternal. We're set, settling for, for sex instead of love. We're settling for material instead of spiritual. We're settling for followers instead of following. We're settling for success instead of significance. We're settling for fame instead of purpose. Pacifying instead of satisfying. Verse 15. I love what she says. Please, sir. I don't care if you're a Jew. Please, sir. Give me this water and that, so I'll never be thirsty again. And look, look at her statement. Why? This is why I want the water. I won't have to come here to get water. I hate coming here. I hate coming mid-afternoon. Why does she come in the afternoon? Because she's a prisoner of her past. She's become identified by her failures. She's been rejected by the very community that she is going to go and share the Messiah with in a moment. So I need you to see what happens here. Jesus goes to the root of the issue in dealing with her. Look at, look at verse 17. Jesus says, go get your husband. Bring him to me. Look at verse 17. I don't have a husband. If I was Jesus, girl, don't be lying to me. I'm the son of God. I know all things. How dare you lie to me right now? You know what that water I offered you? You're not getting any. It's done. You're going to come to this world for the rest of your life in the afternoon, in the hot sun. You're going to have to go through this every single day because I'm not giving you a drop. Look what she says. I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right. That's so cool. He could have called her a liar and he goes, you know what? You're right. You told the truth. 
your version of the truth. He goes, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You are a dirty, filthy liar. You're going to hell. Is that what he says? What's he say? He goes, in you have certainly spoken the truth. How much would people change if we stop looking for their failures and start looking for the gold? If it had been us, we would point out that you liar. Listen, listen, I know your ex-husband. I saw him on Facebook. It's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. I've seen it. You've changed your status so many times. <laughs> Jesus doesn't call her a liar because she's not married. But I, I want you to see what happens here. As I close, I want you to grab a hold. You have to know the history and the culture in order to understand the woman. All the ladies would come early in the morning or in the evenings to draw water because it was cool. She came in the heat of the day because she wanted to stay away from those women. Because they talked about her. They pointed out her failures. They knew for a fact how many times she had been married and divorced. But, listen. In the Old Testament and even in the New Testament times, a woman couldn't divorce her husband. Let me try this side. A woman didn't have that right to make the choice to leave a man. So this woman, she didn't make the choice to walk away. She had been rejected five times by five different men, by five different families, by five different communities, by five different people that had married her and said, I do, till death do us part. But when they got together, said, you know what? I don't want you anymore and rejected you. Found love again and then was rejected again. Found love again, took another chance and then was rejected again. Found love again and believed in love again and then was rejected again and found herself out on the street. Someone else took another chance, found love again. She said, I do, and she was rejected again and now the guy she's with isn't even her husband he doesn't even want to marry her she's been rejected five times she didn't walk away from her marriage Jesus had to be there I got a daughter who's in need right now my girls need anything I'm there my Heavenly Father, you have a need. He's there. Has to. She was rejected. She was damaged. And she was out of place.
But I want you to understand this as I close. Failure doesn't make you a failure. Failure is, is not, failure is a, an event, it's not a person. And failure is not fatal. She kept, you know what I love about this girl? I want you to see this. She still showed up. Still showed up. Bringing her jug by herself. Getting water for her not husband. Getting drawn water, still doing her job, still showing up, still believing in love, still having hope for the future, still believing things could get better. She kept showing up. What am I telling you today? Keep showing up. Even when things get difficult, even when it's hard to get up and go to the well, I'm here to tell you, if you're thirsty today, get to the well that will never run dry. Go to the well where you can drink and restore not only your soul, but your marriage, your family, your future, your community. Stop drinking from the wrong well today. Come on, stand to your feet. So every one of you came to a well today. This well is called CWC. But the water isn't Pastor Dan. If you drink from Pastor Dan, you're still going to be thirsty. In fact, you'll probably be more thirsty because I can be salty sometimes. drink from Pastor Cat, you can drink from the church or the denomination, but you're still going to be thirsty. I want to encourage you today. Pastor, I'm damaged. I'm not worth it. Just like this woman, I'm damaged goods. Why would God love me? He had to. He literally made an appointment to be there for this five-time divorced, not married, adulterous woman who had been rejected by five different men in her community. She goes into her conversation with Jesus and she realizes he's the Messiah. And she runs and goes and tells the very community that rejected her and says, come and hear the man that has told me everything about me. And a revival breaks out in that community where they say, we heard what you said, but now we believe because we heard it for ourselves. When you let go of your bitterness, your rejection, your pain, and you drink from the well that will never run dry, it changes communities. Not families, communities. You have an appointment with God today. You have an appointment with God. After that, I don't care, I don't care how fine a wine that you drink. I don't care how what year it is. You're still gonna be thirsty. But you learn to drink from the well that will never run dry. Bow your heads right where you are. Father, we pray for every 
person in this place. And I want to speak first to those who feel you're damaged. You, you could be a, a female, you could be a male, it doesn't matter. You just feel damaged, rejected, hurt. Heads bowed and eyes closed, no looking around. Very private moment between you and God. You're here right now and you're just saying, Pastor, I just, I, I can identify with this woman because I feel rejected. I feel unlovable. I feel damaged. You're here right now, heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, just lift your hand. I just want to pray that God heals your heart. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, hands going up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Over here, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Those at home right now, God bless you. Those of you that, that are sitting there, you don't have to put up a, a hand raised emoji. Right where you are, God knows what you're going through at home right now. So, Father, I pray for those at home and those in this place right now in Jesus' name. For those that have felt damaged, those that have felt rejected, God. Lord, I thank you that you don't look at my failure. You look at my DNA, my destiny, who you created me to be. Lord, I thank you, God, that you'll break the rules to reach me, that you'll go through extreme lengths, my God, to, to show up just to set us free. So I pray for anyone here today that feels like they've been damaged, that they've been abused, that they've been rejected, that they would know you're not damaged. You're not rejected. You're mine. You belong to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You are a daughter or a son of the King. You are not damaged. You're not thrown out. You're valuable. You're loved. You're blessed. You're beautiful. You're wonderfully and fearfully made. That God designed you for a purpose on purpose. So Lord, I pray right now for those at home and those here, that God, today, that we would drink from the well that would never run dry. Right now, in Jesus' name we pray, everyone says, amen and amen. We're going to take time to pray here live. But for those of you at home, I want you to know we love you and can't wait to see you here. Come join us after to the 11 o'clock service. We have baptisms today. So if you're at home and you'd like to come out for baptism, we'd love to have you. Until then, love God, love people, and let's change the world. God bless you this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.